he loved to go out and hunt. So I just would call him all the time, and we would go out, and uh, his dogs were always ready to go out and, and to hunt. And if you've ever been around a pointer dog, especially American pointers, they are crazy dogs. They are 100% hyperactive uh, all the time. And uh, the only time that they really begin to focus is when they, you let them out of their, uh, their cage and they run out into the field and they uh, begin the hunt. And so that's always an exciting time. But uh, when they are focused out in the field, they're focused on one thing, and that is quail. And there's a picture here of uh, one, I think that's a German short-haired dog. But they, uh, you can see on point there, you can see the dog... Uh, literally pointing at where the quail are, and it's such a beautiful sight. And if you've ever hunted them, you know that that quail hide in the cover of brush. They're very smart, and they'll run along the ground and go from one bush to another bush. And out in that part of Texas, it's very brushy, and you have cactus and, and all kinds of things around. And so they know how to hide in those. And so if you have a pointer dog, the dog will go to where those quail are, and a good dog will uh, go to, to point. And certainly holding the point is crucial. And that's what this one is doing. If you look in the eyes, uh, you can, and we need uh, Cesar, uh, the uh, dog uh, whisperer here, to help us understand more. Uh, but if you look in the eyes, you can see that the dog is really focused, and the dog wants to go to where those quail are. And uh, but yet is holding the point, not only with his tail, but with his paw. And not all pointer dogs do this the same way, but you can see he is ready, ready to go in. But he knows to wait and to hold the point. One of the three dogs that my pastor friend had that we hunted with um, couldn't do this. Only two could hold a point. And uh, and as you could probably figure, an over-anxious dog who breaks the point will break the covey of quail as well, and it will totally ruin the hunt. You won't be able to get to those uh, because those quail are smart enough to take off, and uh, you probably won't find them again. But one of these dogs was always missing the point. And that's what the leader of the synagogue did. He missed the point. And as we've heard this in our scripture text for today, and if you closed your Bible, I hope you'll open it back up to uh, Luke chapter 13. We have been going through the, the gospel of Luke, and as we have done so, we've seen different things that have happened, different ways that Jesus has related to the people around him. And sometimes it's by telling a story, a parable. Uh, sometimes it is how he reacts to someone else or how he heals someone and as we heard in our text this morning, uh, there is another healing that takes place. And uh, as this uh, happens, we see that there is a man who objects. He is the leader of the synagogue. He's the one that is in charge. And he is objecting to what Jesus has done there. More specifically, his understanding of and malpractice of his religion is what is missing the point. And we see that this is going on not only with this man, but others in the crowd. Jesus stops and addresses people that are there in the crowd because everyone is upset about what this man is saying. The reason he is objecting 
is because Jesus healed this woman on the Sabbath. And of course, as you know, even though we Gentiles get this mixed up, except for the Seventh-day Adventists, they uh, get, it, get it right. The Sabbath uh, begins Friday evening and uh, goes into Saturday. And we have different reasons that we come together like we are this morning on a Sunday morning. And that has everything to do with Easter and with resurrection and what we find there. But the Sabbath is a a day that uh, was to be observed, and there is this requirement to rest. And I don't know why uh, we have so much trouble with this, right? You think we would want to rest one day out of the week. You think we would want to follow these rules and and not have to, uh, uh, to go against God's law. But work was forbidden. And so as they saw Jesus healing this woman, and Jesus had been teaching up to this point. He was in the synagogue, and he was teaching, and this was a part uh, of uh, something that would be accepted within the synagogue. But it's when he heals the woman that he gets in trouble. And work was certainly forbidden. And, and of course, we know this is one of the Ten Commandments. So uh, this particular command seems simple enough, right? Right? All of the Ten Commandments seem simple. You know, don't kill, don't lie, don't steal. And uh, they're very short comments and a lot of times referred to as words, the Ten Words, not just these long commandments. So they're simple. Take the day off. Don't do anything but rest. But like with most anything else uh, that religious people do, the simple command became very complicated. Jewish law forbids any work that fits into 39 different categories, at least in the Talmud. As as you look at that, you can see uh, 39 different categories that they had to follow. And if you want to look at this uh, at some point, you can look on Wikipedia under Sabbath, and you'll see that uh, these categories are there, and they go into detail. But they do mention uh, such things as plowing, as planting, as reaping. And you have to think about, you know, this developed in an agricultural society. Cooking and baking. So those of you going home after church and cooking a roast or whatever, uh, that would be something you couldn't do unless you were smart enough to come up with a timer Right? If you set a timer to turn your crock pot on or something like that, you could get away with it. Uh, laundering, measuring, writing, building, and others. All of these activities that people would traditionally do during the week were forbidden on the Sabbath day. One exception to these 39 different activities or categories is the saving of a life, which was a requirement that trumped all of the Sabbath laws. If you saw someone who was dying and needed to be rescued and saved, if you did not do that, you were going to be in bigger trouble with God. And so the law allowed for this. Different groups within Judaism have differing interpretations and applications for all of these laws. And if you've ever been around uh, different groups, whether they're Orthodox or Conservative or Reform, Jews, you will hear different interpretations of this. They all agree with it uh, in general, but the applications are different. And uh, 
we recognize as we read this that uh, certainly there are different groups today that have differing views about this, even within uh, Christian groups. And you, I think everybody probably remembers the blue laws or the uh, at least hearing about them and, you know, the fact that stores couldn't be open on Sunday afternoons. And, and there are still some of those uh, laws or that have become traditions that are in place. But the leader of the synagogue objected to all of what Jesus was doing out of his understanding of the law and how Jesus was breaking it. Jesus responded out of his understanding of the law and how the man was mistaking it, that he just got it all wrong and misunderstood what God really wanted them to know. Isn't this what Jesus was saying all the time? He's, he's always correcting what it is that God has said and they have taken it and, and uh, changed it or updated it or added all these things to it and overcomplicated it. Jesus responded out of his understanding and wanted this man and the crowd to know. He was missing the whole point of the law, that God cares for people. Again, simple enough, right? This was God's design with the law, not to punish and push down humankind, but to uh, create the kind of society where people would be protected and people would care for one another and where people would walk in step with God. That this was the best way for them to live. God cared for people and Jesus showed that. Jesus reasoned how ridiculous it was to think that it was acceptable to break the Sabbath law, uh, to, to loose an animal who was stuck. I mean, that was allowed but not to loose a woman who was stuck, and really in more ways than one. If you think about this woman who was bent over, as you can see in this particular uh, picture, probably not even able to lift her head, at least for 18 years, and we don't know her age, but at least for the last 18 years of her life, she could look at nothing but the ground and people's feet, Think about the sky. She couldn't look up at the beautiful sky that was all around her. She couldn't look up and see people's faces, their smiles or their frowns. She, she couldn't do any of that. Constantly looking down and bent over. And she was in complete bondage. Jesus says, how is it acceptable to loose an animal? But you can't loose this woman. No wonder the woman was praising God. And that's what Luke tells us she did. And uh, it's like one of those uh, channels you watch, those religious channels on TV where, um, you know, they're throwing the crutches out of the way and pushing the, um, uh, the wheelchair out of the way and dancing in the aisles and, and all of that. And so this woman is doing that. She is praising God. She is now able to move and she's able to look up and she's able to see and experience life like God uh, has allowed everybody else to experience. And she's celebrating. And yet there is this guy in the crowd. And I think Bill uh, gave a very good voice to that uh, about how this guy must have been. I mean, someone you really wouldn't want to be around at all. The person who stands up and objects to everything good that happens in a group. 
and uh, you know has to follow all of the rules and certainly can't understand what the rules are for or the spirit of the rules. So no wonder she is praising God and no wonder that all of the crowd is rejoicing, as Luke says, they were rejoicing at all of the wonderful things that he was doing. And you know that ticked off the leader of the synagogue even more. The world Jesus lived in sounds a lot like ours today, doesn't it? We religious people still so often miss the point, don't we? Perhaps this is why the millennial generation doesn't even think about attending a church or a religious group. And we should praise God for those that we have here, even though they may not be able to hear me right now because of headphones or whatever. But they're here, right? They are here. And that is significant. And and kudos to Kyle uh, and others who work with our youth and make sure that they are getting that foundation in their lives. But the reason that most millennials do not go to church uh, is legion, right? I mean, there are all kinds of reasons, just it, it's a, a very complicated generation. But we certainly know that uh, probably the bigger part of that is they see that it is not relevant to their lives. They don't even think about it. And that is a problem that exists in, in our world. Or maybe missing the point may be the reason that so many kids who do grow up in church never come back after leaving home. Tons of data out there that shows that. And that could have been true with you as well. Maybe you were one of those kids, grew up in church, but you left and you didn't come back for, you know, maybe 20 years. And that's what we see happening with so many kids these days. And I think you'll find this trend in all faiths, but certainly it is true within Western Christianity. Uh, Examples of how we Christians miss the point these days is when we refuse to allow Jesus to free women in our world. When we care more about conception than we do the end of life when we care more about church buildings than we do those who are outside of them, when we take a sacred view of creation yet pollute the environment as though we don't, when we say Jesus still heals but work against providing health care for people who can't afford it, when we preach and teach that God loves everyone but then we argue about who is everyone. When we sing and celebrate our doctrine of grace on Sunday, but judge and condemn on Monday. And when we are rescued by God's forgiveness, but we are unwilling to forgive the sins of those who have sinned against us. We do miss the point. And if we are missing the point, how do we ever find it? How do we get on point for what God is doing in this world and and what God wants for us? Well, we see it in Jesus who stands in our midst and shares the words and the actions of life just like he did with this legalistic objector who really uh, would fit that description of hypocrisy. And before we judge him, we realize that we are so much like him. Each one of us, you and I, we have been that objector, haven't we? It's a lot like the older brother and the prodigal son. 
the uh, son who has been wayward comes back home, and the older brother, you know, has his arms crossed. He's been there all along. He's followed all the rules. He's done everything his father asked him to do, and he is upset that his father is showing grace and love to this wayward son. We're that older brother. We're that leader of the synagogue. We are the objector. And so we miss the point. The words and the actions and the life of Jesus are before us still today. And they reveal to us what the point is. And the point is that God is more interested in people than their religion. Think about that in your own life. God is more interested in you than in your religion. God is more interested in your heart than what you do with your religion. That God cares more about the person who is tied up than the ox who is in the ditch. That God is more concerned with people who are oppressed and in bondage than our devotion to our checklist of 39 ways to keep a law. Jesus stayed on point. He showed it, he lived it, and he shared it with everybody around him. But the question for us then is, do we have Jesus? If Jesus is the point, do we have Jesus? I wonder today, as we go into our work weeks, as we go to schools, we go about our activities, do people see that we have Jesus? Have we allowed the point Jesus made with his life actually change our lives? If we do, we will approach our religion differently. And maybe the uh, guy that objected that day never saw the, the Sabbath law, not that uh, he should have broken the law, but would never see people or religion or life in the same way ever again that he allowed what Jesus said that day to change his life. If we do allow Jesus to do that, we will relate to people of other religions differently. And don't we need that in our world today that is so pluralistic and and, uh, you may have a Muslim living next door or you may have someone who uh, is Hindu or you may have someone who doesn't have any religion at all and God wants you to relate to them in the exact same way that Jesus would relate to them. And we see that Jesus did this with his life. But we will also approach um, people within our own religious groups differently. Won't we treat each other differently in our world of church, in our community of faith? We will also approach our upcoming election and issues differently. We will treat one another in our families differently. We will treat others outside of our church differently. We will respond to the needs of our community and our world differently. We will spend our money differently. We will live our lives differently. All of this matters to a point. So the question this morning is, have you gotten the point? Let's pray.